0: It's time to get on the ice. Music City Gold
1: is on the air. With Kyle Hancock, Daniel Mangrum, and Matt Bain.
0: We are Smashville's best fan-driven podcast. Featuring news around the league, the Predators, and the occasional hot take or two. Part of the Penalty Box Radio Network. You're listening to Music City Gold. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Music City Gold on the T Box Radio Network. I am your host, Kyle. With me, as always, are my co-hosts, Daniel and Matt. Hello. Hey, guys. Boys, great day. Preds are about to make the playoffs. Hockey's on right now.
2: Bro, it's your birthday. Oh, yes, Wait, it is my birthday. Yeah, hold on. Let's, let's stop the phone. So, before we go any further, let's pull it out. We have a celebratory... Cookie for Kyle today, and what is this cookie? So this is a butterbeer cookie. I'm not kidding. This sounds and delicious. At, and Matt is on record saying this is one of the best cookies he has ever eaten in his entire life. So yeah. here we go. I'm gonna top two. All right, we'll taste this here, mm. bro. Get ready for it. Does that is it, that is amazing. Does it not taste like like if okay if you've been to Harry Potter World? Does that not taste like it does straight cookie fied version? With a little salt too, so it's not so sweet. This is fantastic. Uh, just for you, Matt. You didn't have a bite yet. Come on.
1: Yeah, it's. I'm worried about it messing. No,
2: it's celebratory. You have to. This is how we're starting the episode out. Oh, look, he's getting a good sniff. He's wafting it in right now. I have to describe everything for the viewers. Look,
1: yeah, the, his palate's very refined. Yeah, the majority of your olfactory Sensories are through your no, o- yeah. your nose. So you- I hate when I'm stopped up because
2: like it just everything kind of just doesn't taste as right. Oh, there he goes. Big dogs in the house now. It's gonna be a good episode. Yeah, so, it's a good day, baby. Ha- happy birthday, Kyle. We got games going on. Man, what a good night. So, how old are you today, Kyle? Thirty-seven. Look, Matt actually did a visible Mo- Moving on up there moving baby Moving on up baby We're getting cro- close to 40 now Almost not there Well
0: But I will tell you the older I get The, young- the younger people think I am Which works out great
2: How you is do that? do not have a baby face though If he shaved he would look a lot younger Yeah oh. do you
0: remember me without the beard for the longest time? Yeah I look so young In fact uh, my wife did one of these filters the other day they, One of the uh, I guess Instagram filters that came out was If you have a beard It can show you what you would look like without your beard and she did. And I was like, oh my goodness. I was like,
2: put my beard back. I was like, I look terrible. The yeah, baby you, face was
0: real. It looked
2: pretty weird. I remember oh, you're that. you're a little so. short too. So short people. too, yeah. I mean, you got several factors, but that's okay. I mean, when you're 60 and you look like you're in your you know, late 40s or something, yeah. that's, that's my not My hair's bad. not graying, so that's always a plus. Yeah. So, well... We congratulate you on this birthday, but man, we have got a ton of hockey stuff to talk about. It has felt like playoff hockey. Matt and I have been taught, we'll get into this later in the episode, man, we are like juiced up. I mean, I- the other night I could have tackled a bus after the game. Okay. Like we, we were pumped up. It felt like playoff hockey was back. Definitely. Man. And we're going to start the show off too. Like I talk about this crazy pace. I I, I mean, is there anything he can't do right now? What we're talking about is Connor McDavid, and
0: like Daniel just said, his season has been ridiculous. Who would have thought that he would be close to making 100 points in a very shortened season?
2: Yeah, he, He's currently at 87 points right now. Yeah,
1: he's, he's <laughs> definitely getting the MVP this year. That's just going to be a runaway this year. I know there's some other great players, but he is this might be the best season of his career.
0: 87 points in 49 games. And he has a sixteen point lead on Leon Dreistle for the Art Ross Trophy.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's that's
2: that's it's a huge pretty gap. sizable actually. And that's a teammate also assisting yeah.
1: on a lot of them. Exactly. They're usually uh one and two with themselves.
2: So my man Dimitri posted on Twitter today like a sizzle reel highlight of some of his odd man rushes that he's had this year, and they've been I I, I mean otherworldly. Like I, I I can't Did did you guys see the other one the other night against the Flames where he basically just did like a one two cutback and then did a slapper? And just undre- I, I, I don't even know what to do anyway. Like, how do you defend that? Like, I guess the main thing is to when he gets steam built up, any sort of momentum when he winds up in that neutral zone, like, and they're under the ice, and you let him go unchecked into your zone, you're done. Yeah,
1: you're he, done. He just has uh, some type of exp- explosivity with his momentum and his speed. He can just go zero to twenty in no time, and and combine that with hockey IQ with his with his puck movement and the way he protects the puck as he's going through defenders, I mean, this it is an otherworldly talent. He is a generational talent, to be sure. And it's nice to see him continuing to progress. A lot of people thought, oh, you know, maybe the first year or two, he had a great year. I mean, he's going he's gonna to tail off now. But it's great to see that he's still doing great, even with a team that's, you know, still fairly poor as it is. But McDavid's still staying good, baby.
0: I mean, the dude's at... A pace of 1.79 points per game if he gets 100 points in 56 games. Like, that is a ridiculous pace to be at.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, it, and it seems like he's only getting better. I mean, and some of the stats kind of back it up. They've said it, like his points per game average has actually risen since his rookie season. It started at 1.07. And honestly, it's just continually to rise. I mean, right now he's like at a 1.55 pace. I mean, is that sustainable? I don't know. But the sad part is, Is he going to win a championship too? We keep talking about this. Is that team built enough to win a championship? And it's like, it's so sad because they have two of the best players in the game and they still can't play enough defense. Like literally, if I'm their GM, I'm literally just getting, you know, defensive players at this point and just, you know, stockpiling that and just letting McDavid do whatever he wants. I mean, I mean, like at this point, it's just, it's kind of unreal to me.
0: And you know that if the Oilers don't win a championship with him at any point, when it gets time to trade him. He can command his price for anywhere he goes.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, but right now he's, what, at like a 10 mil uh, ten mil a night or year pace right now? What is
1: it at? Uh, I don't have it off the top of my head, but I tell you what, you know, we've kind of discussed in, in recent years about how the Oilers have been kind of a tire fire except for him. So, to see what he and Drysaddle can do together, what's actually interesting, you wouldn't believe it, is the Oilers are second in, in North Division right now behind the Maple Leafs. So... They pretty much are a lock for the playoffs, and I think this will be the first uh, year that McDavid will no. be in the playoffs in his career.
2: 12, 12.5 million. sorry, twelve point five million a year. He signed through the 25-26 20, season. It's pretty incredible. So, no, uh, he's made the playoffs, I believe, before, but I think it was a first round exit. They, it they might just have been. I
1: just they, I just remember them being garbage for the last ever since maybe his career started. But they maybe just one time,
2: not well. play defense.
1: Well, they just don't have, you know, when you pay a guy that much, they just don't have a lot of pieces. It seems to be all the good ones are leaving Edmonton. I used to love Edmonton because they had Nuge, they had Taylor Hall, you got McDavid, you know, got Darnell Nurse, got some of my guys.
2: Uh, they got Kyle Turris. And, that they, way.
1: and they had, yeah, Kyle Turris Yeah, but as guess well. what? He's
2: still not playing with them. Yeah. Oh, I mean,
1: it's so like, it's it's like just, an underdog. It was underdog. not just Nashville. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just putting that out.
0: And Matt, I'm going to take one of your stats you probably have for later on in the game. Did you hear about Ryan Miller retiring? Oh
1: man. Yes. A bit premature. He announced it the year's not over yet, but he announced that at the end of the year he will be retiring and I believe he will have the most wins out of any US-born goalie in history.
2: Yeah. I just remember him from like 2010 like USA hockey, you know, like that that's kind of where I remember him from. I mean, he's been a staple for many years. He's almost 40. I believe, I think he's 39, almost 40. He's put in an excellent Eight, career. I
1: think he's had 18 seasons.
2: Yeah, I will say this though. Um, as far as, you know, Ryan is concerned, I'm kind of glad they announced it early because, in a way, it allowed them to kind of honor him more. Like, because uh, I, I kind of hope Peck does this too because yeah. it'll allow us to, like, at least soak in the last game, you know, and, like that's my thing.
1: And it will feel like it's, if you announce it at the end of the year and you don't make the playoffs, it's like, okay, all right, we don't make the playoffs. So I'm going to go ahead and retire. It feels like a letdown, but you're do you're announcing ahead of time. It's intention. So you're kind of, yeah, it's almost like a farewell tour. Now you can kind of go out easy. Fans are going to celebrate you, you know, make it to the, make it to the arena the last time to see him, you know, now that fans are getting back in the house. So uh, it's nice t- It's nice to be able to appreciate a guy, the best U.S. born of all time amongst goalies, so it is something special.
0: Yeah, I mean, being 40 years old and saying you have 390 wins in your belt and you are the top U.S. goalie with wins is you know, outside of a Stanley Cup, that's a pretty good thing to have. That's a record that's probably not going to be broken in a while.
2: Yeah, and it's one of those things too, like He hasn't been like peak the last several years, obviously, but the fact that he's lasted this long and has been able to put in that amount of production is very impressive, and uh, I wish him all the best of luck. I mean, another another one of the greats going out on top, so um, definitely, definitely worth all the recognition he's been getting the last several days in the games.
1: And, you know, he's from Michigan, so not a shocker. (laughs) Just saying.
2: You were there like two months.
0: Yeah, for everyone like who's listening, Matt loves talking about Fakish in Michigan, but he was there long enough to be born, then moved. <laughs> Sorry. But he's Detroit,
1: baby. <laughs> it's Detroit all the way, baby. Gotta be my brother. It's all so. right.
0: And finally, on our little trip around the league, as of April 30th, boys, the Kraken are officially in the NHL. They made their last payment. Okay. First of all,
2: they put a thing out on Twitter and said, what should their first things do? Like, the first thing the Kraken should do and they put a blank and I said obviously it's release the Kraken and no one in the comment section had it yet I was like two or three hours late and I'm like everyone missed it, everyone went so serious they're yeah, like, that seems draft, like the this person, one. draft this person and no one went for the, the low hanging fruit there but what, once what, again I tell you
1: what, what I'll be interested to see is are they going to come in with a hot Twitter account like Vegas? I think so I, 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 it's
2: Seattle, that's a very edgy city. Yeah. like they're going to be, they're going to be on.
1: It's the it's the young man's game, and everybody's on the Twitter these days. And uh, I I'll have to agree; they're probably going to come in hot. It makes for exciting. I mean, it, I like
2: it, Pred's Twitter, and like uh, also um, the Hurricanes, also yeah. great.
1: It's it's an exciting dynamic that hasn't been there in history. You know, in history, but now you know, not always is a game on at night. Sometimes you're during the day. You can check Twitter; he's always got something exciting going on and especially with the official teams getting on on it, it's, it's pretty fun.
2: Well, you've seen some of the banter with the Central Division team accounts this year. It's been hilarious. Between, like, Dallas, the Preds, and, yeah. and the Hurricanes, those are all very, like, southern, like, rooted, like you're not going to see the Habs account do that. No No Canadian teams. And it was funny because like I think it was uh, which team was it was the the Panthers they're like man we're going to miss being uh, out of the Central next year because it was so much fun because like all the Twitter accounts have just been like fire. I mean like literally it's just been like back and forth banter in between all of them but I I could see them doing something uh, very trendy like that like to match Vegas. Um, I'm just more interested in the expansion draft. Honestly this this kind of means nothing to me right now. So we'll see what happens. Uh, they're really not going to make any moves until after they figure out who they're actually getting from the teams uh, from that protected list.
0: And it's curious to see who the Preds will actually give up to be able to be drafted by the Kraken because just like Vegas, they're following the exact same rules. So you're going to, they're going to say, hey Vegas, they're going to say, hey Kraken, come in, pick a player. You get 14 forwards, nine defensemen, and three goalies to make your initial team. And so we all know what happened with Vegas is that a lot of the GMs kind of use it as a let's just dump off some contracts we don't want to keep and then lo and behold Vegas turns around, makes the Stanley Cup Finals in their
2: inaugural season. So I think the GMs have learned their lesson and they're not going to do that but, this year. Well the problem is too, the rules for this, these two expansions have been so favorable. If you are a team that came came in you know, before this take the Preds, take uh, Columbus also. Columbus entered the league almost the same time as the Preds and have had very little, play. You know, it was one of those, it took the Preds 15 years to get consistent playoff runs. You know what I, I mean? That's that's really, the Preds' recent success has only been recent. Like, we've had a five-year good stint. But you have to remember that they started at the bottom. I mean, the basement. This is before salary cap. This is when Detroit was in here just dominating the Central with no salary cap. I mean, Matt remembers this. It, it's yeah. just, like, they literally had all the studs on their team, and we had no one because of Salary, you know, uh, that said, um, I just, it, it's one of those things that, like, it's almost too favorable for the teams, but also Vegas had a great cycle, because a lot of the unprotected players, like, I, I, we go back to the Penguins, they had Fleury yeah, and Murray, that's and those were say. both, those were both w- number one starters, and the Penguins had to make a decision on one or the other, and they just went with the younger one, and guess what, they got Mark andre Fleury, like, seriously, like, to start your club, the Preds did not start like that. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's the thing. Like, they were way in a better position, and that's kind of where I'm at. But I'm definitely interested to see how the GMs approach it this time around and also where they end up that first year
1: comparatively to Vegas. Yeah, I'll, I'll be surprised if they have the lightning success that Vegas had. But that being said, you know, like you said, the first year uh, – the penguins kind of got caught with their pants down a little bit. But now, you know, next time around, now these GMs got some experience. We've seen how it worked last time, and we've learned a couple of lessons. They'll probably be better protected, and they'll leave less out in the open. But even if they get a comparable roster, as far as talent is concerned, I really don't think they can have the, the success. It was almost like success trapped in a bottle for Vegas, and that's just one of a kind. I don't really think you can replicate that. You might can get the same kind of squad on paper, but... That was really one of a kind, but it is good, definitely going to be interesting.
2: I think we could get Gallant. Might as well; he's available. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he made it to the Stanley Cup
1: final. I mean, so. if, the,
0: if the Preds hadn't turned their season around, you know, we'll talk about this later on. But if they hadn't turned the season
2: around, and Hines got let go. I would have been all for Gallant coming to the Nashville. Oh, yeah. I was. I was still for, for
1: Gallant coming to Nashville. Yeah.
2: So that said, yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm more. I'm more interested in the expansion draft than them being able to officially do anything yet, just because they're not going to do much of anything uh, until that point in time.
0: And now we'll swing it around to the Preds. So as we said, Preds are playing Columbus right now. Columbus are out of the playoffs. Preds are hoping to get that final seed. They're about three points ahead of Dallas. And was it, Daniel, you said the uh, Panthers put a beat on Dallas
2: the other day? No, they're playing right now. So right now it's 2 one the Panthers are still up. They actually just scored a power play goal, which is the one thing you can't do against Dallas's take penalties. Because I feel like they five on five, like Dallas does nothing, but on the power play, they're just incredible. Um, that said, they're still losing currently, and right now the Preds game is zero to zero in the first period. So uh, more of a defensive battle going on right now in Columbus. So could be a big night because if the Preds pull off this win and the Stars lose, that is a four point swing. Toward that magic number of seven, which would bring it down to three needed. <laughs> I will tell you, the magic um, so, number has always confused me.
1: It, I know it confused some, me too.
2: I know there's math involved with it, and I'm not necessarily good it's, at math. So I, this year, it's way easier just because there's one team involved. Basically, it's a combination of any points lost by Dallas and then any points won by the Preds. So say we win tonight, that's two points gained automatically. And your number can never go up, by the way. That's the thing about a magic number. I don't know if you guys knew that. The magic number can never go up. It can only decrease. So their magic number is seven. If they win tonight, that's two points. So that goes down to five. If Dallas loses, let's say, in overtime, they get a point. That means they lost a point because they could have potentially gotten two points. Therefore, the Preds gained three points tonight and they're down to four is their magic number.
1: Yeah, it's, it's just confusing because when I read the article, it didn't mention anything about plus or minus what the tandem with Dallas is. It was just the Preds' magic number seven. And it says, the statistician, I forget who put it up there uh, on Twitter.
2: Panthers just scored again, two, three, one.
1: They said <laughs> that, so the Preds have four games left, and the first two are against uh, Florida, right? Uh, the, it's Columbus, Columbus. I'm sorry, Columbus, Columbus. Yes, and then Carolina, Carolina. Right, Um. So they said there's four games left and that magic number the Preds need is seven and the statisticians say the Preds have a ninety percent chance of meeting that yeah. mark. And I said, Well, that that's ridiculous yeah, because that would yeah. that would mean that you would have to win Mm-mm. three games plus get an overtime out of the, three out of the four. That's it's but, because
2: it's Dallas losing as well. Like yeah. that's and they have five games left. See, that's the problem is Dallas has five games left to lose. So if they lose two games, that's four points towards us already. Yeah. So and I was saying this the other night, like, think about it like this. If the Preds only win two more of the, the final four games, okay, they only win two. They go 500. Dallas has to go four and one in the final five games for them to overtake the Preds.
1: Yeah, that, that just seems confusing, but I think I just take solace in the fact that they said the Preds have a 90% chance of doing it. So I think... Uh, we
2: also have the tiebreaker for regulation wins, too, because we're yeah. up on regulation. That's right. So Which, that's, why, that's why everything is leaning towards us as of right now. So, it's, it's one of those. It's a little confusing. But once again, just think about it. If, if Dallas is losing out points, then the Preds are gaining that point on the Magic number. And the Magic number is always decreasing. So, good news is, for the Predators, Dallas has more games, so they can lose out more points. So, that's basically what it boils down to. And seeing if they,
0: uh, Dallas, if they do indeed, which looks like they're going to, lose tonight against the Panthers. Well, it's early,
2: Kyle. It's don't, early. Don't say this. I won't jinx it, sorry. You're pull Stillman from the other nine. Oh, the Blackhawks ow. Game. So, let's not do that.
0: Yeah, I retract that immediately. I never want to be compared to that man. But, I want to go back to Dallas. Preds played Dallas the other night, and Preds crushed them.
2: Now, I, bro, I, first of all, I just want to say, that was probably one of the better regular season games I've watched in a long time. Like, regardless of, like, hockey, like you can take the Predators out of the mix. Like, Matt and I were watching it. It was... A playoff style game. It was super high intensity. The crowd was extremely loud. Like I, I mean, you would have been hard pressed to tell me that that wasn't the Florida Panthers arena. Like during a, like I'm not kidding. Like it was, it was very loud. Like I I mean, like almost playoff level. We had a standing ovation. The first Nashville standing O of 2021. A lot of the players hadn't even experienced it. By the way, that was kind of a cool moment. Like they were even saying afterwards in the locker room. Um, there was even a press game, uh, in the post-conference, uh, Kudobin even said, he said, it felt like a game seven. Like he even said that, like, it's a doubt. Like he was like, yes, the crowd was into it. He's like, it, it felt like a game seven because you had both goalies just really playing well. Soros was phenomenal. I mean, like absolutely phenomenal. Again, I I can't understate it. I, I mean, like. It, it almost as mind-boggling that we're in the position that we are right now. Still, I, I keep saying that because the Preds had a 2% chance to make the playoffs and we're now almost up at 90 at, at this point. Um, and it's just absolutely crazy. That game was incredible. Matt was flipping out. He was on the, like, I mean, like next thing I know, he's literally almost in the TV screen. Like, yeah. you know how like I you kept have to get closer? He kept getting closer. closer, kept getting closer.
1: Uh, uh, Did you throw anything? I did not throw anything. I didn't have to this time. But as soon as that puck went in, boy, we were doing our oh, yeah.
2: jumps and dan- like I mean, it's like it just felt good. It felt like a playoff hockey game, like you know, like a couple years ago when we were all watching all the playoff hockey. Like that's where we were at again, and I'm like, oh, like I it's, think
1: there's just there's layers of dimension here. You've got a good hockey team, both of them. You got going down to the wire with points, but you also have in the added, it's becoming a rivalry between now, Dallas and Nashville, and how many times we played them this year. This interdivisional play—it's heating up, and not only it's—and the points race is between Dallas and Nashville. So there was so much on the line. That's what drove the intensity up in this game, and it put a good hockey uh, game on the ice on top of it. This—you're was, was, probably right. This was the best hockey game I've seen all year.
0: I loved watching Hala's face. Like I went back and watched oh, the yeah. uh, the game winning goal because uh, I was with my wife and we were at the uh, Biltmore House this weekend actually, so I couldn't see the game in person. So I went back and watched the highlights and seeing Hala you basically recover that puck from Eckholm when he came around the edge and just tapped it in Very it the look on his face was just he was just like top of the world best day ever it, for hollow right it, there I mean
2: it, it was it was playoff level I, I mean like you you heard the reaction to it sounded like a playoff game he put that in there people are just banging on the glass roof blew off he's doing the crazy celly he's jumping up against the glass I mean people are losing their minds like seriously I, I got done with that game and I'm just like man like that was a good hockey game. You know, like, I, even you don't even have to be a Predators fan to enjoy that. You know what I mean? Like, and it, they even said online, like, a lot of the the analysts were watching that game because it was such a, it was such a crucial game that they, they haven't had a game with that much swing in percent point-wise for playoff in, like, five to ten
1: years. Yeah, it, we it just didn't unreal. even mention that part. It was like a... Yeah, I'll pull it up. Go ahead. It was like a 20% swing regardless if Nashville won, they, their chances went up 20%. And if they lost... Dallas's chances went up twenty percent. So it was really a forty percent swing one way or the other for Dallas or Nashville, depending on who won that particular game.
2: Yeah, it, it was it was unreal. I couldn't believe the uh the basically the least outcome would have been like a Pred's overtime loss, and that was still like a ten percent swing. Like
1: like, that was, like, that uh, was just that was the game of the season. And, and the first of the game, who was it? Forsberg was out, I think. Uh, no, it was
2: Yossi. So Yossi, Yossi got went, injured in the first period. I he, think Tolvanen went out and too. And then Tolvanen was out in the second period. So I was really worried. Honestly, I was like, I just don't know if we're going to be able to sustain it long enough. And, and yeah. like Sarho that's the thing. But Saros held the house down all the way into overtime. Like, first of all, there was like a final save with like 30 seconds well, off of a deflection that he got somehow. And you could see him track it because it deflected and he was going right to left. And then all of a sudden, his little flexible leg there just goes all the way out and he kicks it out with his skate blade. I mean, it was literally just the skate blade. And I'm like...
1: And that was just, you know, with less than a minute to go in the hockey game too, that saved the game. and uh, it,
2: Yeah, I, I, Sarris has been phenomenal. I mean, it's another shutout in his
1: little crown for his his Vesna race. I think you're done seeing Pekka play for the rest of the year for sure. Because I said, you know, now that now that it's getting down to the wire, you're seeing some teams sit some of their players to get rest for the playoffs. And I said, well, that would be nice to sit Soros and give him some rest, but you're coming down to the wire. The Preds are so on the line, you, d- you cannot rest players. So Soros is going to have to play the rest of the games. You guys are just going to tough it out. You're not going to get any rest, but that's okay because you're going to be happy with making the playoffs if and when you do. So at, at least he's hot and uh, that's going to be the it of Pecorino this year, for sure.
0: So speaking of UC Saros, I want to talk about one thing real quick. We all know that he is pretty much responsible for the turnaround of the Pred season. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. This guy has saved the Pred season. He saved players from being traded. He's even saved coaches and GMs from possibly getting different jobs somewhere. So Preds make the playoffs. Preds get
2: knocked out of the playoffs. Is UC Saros still a candidate for the Vezina at that point? Oh man, well, I, this is funny because actually I saw an odd shark thing and they didn't have UC Soros in the top 10. So someone has not been doing their research as far as their stats at Vegas right now. Because first of all, he's definitely top five, more than likely top three. Um,
1: I don't think he's winning it, but it's one of those. Well, I, I think it's the case of... The Preds fans want to look at these stats that are like saves above expected and goals above expected. It's like these next-level deep stats. I don't have it pulled up at the, at the moment. So if you're a Preds fan and you see those stats, he's up there with, uh, with Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky and him are 1-2 and two in all the deep stats. But if you look at the baseline stats, what everybody looks at, save percentage and goals against average, he's like top 5 maybe, but he's not even near as close. It, so it depends on how deep of a dive you look in the stats. And unfortunately, the people who do the Vesna runnings, they don't look so much into the deep stats. They just look kind of baseline. And that's okay because that's, the, the deep stats is just another metric. But at this point, yes, he's been playing great. He's the reason the Preds are going to be in the playoffs. But it's probably not enough to earn him a Vesna at this point in time, honestly.
0: I mean, look, on March 14th, the Preds were an 11-16-1 team. And here we are on May 3rd, and going into tonight's game, they're 17-6-1. And, and UCS Aros is responsible for the majority of that turnaround.
2: Yeah, and it was funny because they were actually arguments being made, and I think I had pointed this out in our group text, that there are people that think that SARS is actually going to get a few MVP votes. It'll be second and third place votes, obviously behind Connor McDavid. Okay, let's, let's be real. He's getting all the first place votes, okay? It's a runaway candidate this year. But because of the turnaround for the team, they do think he's actually going to show up on the ballot for MVP. But, it, I mean, obviously, it'll be like second and third place um, votes. Um, but you're going to see a little bit for Soros in that category as well, uh, which is shocking to me. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think Soros, at the end of the year, I think he might be a, a candidate for the Vesna, but I don't think he's going to win it just because of how poor the start was as far as the team playing in front of him, too. Those first couple months, like honestly, if he if the team was playing mediocre hockey those first couple weeks, (laughs) his stats are probably on par, if not better, than Vasilevsky's just because of how hot this streak has been. I mean, this is unreal.
1: Yeah,
0: but but, it
2: leads to question though:
0: the is for the best goalie of the season is Vasilevsky going to be that person who gets it? For example, or Saros, because we could be talking about this just situation reverse. Say, for example, that. Vasilevsky has been a good hot goalie, but his team has sucked the first half of the season. And Saros is being a good goalie, and the Preds are blowing out the water.
2: Yeah, I mean, that, that, that is going to be a very interesting dynamic because here's the deal. Vasilevsky's on a really good team. <laughs> like, let's be honest. Vasilevsky's on a great team. They won the Stanley Cup <laughs> last year, okay? Like, you can make the argument that UC Saros is way more valuable to the Preds than Vasilevsky is right now for the Lightning. And I would like to also point out too, Carlson was the front runner for the Norris Trophy the last year and the community actually did do the deep dive in the stats. Because remember when we really dug into it, we like everything, like all the stats point toward Roman Yossi. Let's not just go by the point percentage, you know, the one that yeah. uh, everyone goes off of. And I was very pleasantly surprised that they actually kind of swayed towards the deep stats. So that's the only thing that's saying, I well, think he has a chance, but I don't. I don't, he didn't he didn't do enough to catch up to Vasilevsky. Yeah, now, just, if he posts two or three more shutouts, we'll, we'll be talking about this
1: next week. And then. Let me refresh your memory on the stats. So if you go to NHL's homepage, and the goalie stats, there's three columns. The goal's against, save percentage, and shutouts. The first category, UC Soros, is not even in the top 10.
2: Yeah, but, but you, that's deceiving, though, because I looked at these earlier. It's because minimum gains. I, I know,
1: but you go to the second category, he's sixth, third category, he's ninth, Yes, you can probably toss out two or three or four of those goalies off of each one of those because of the amount of games they've played. But I'm just saying face value, he doesn't have a lot of face value as far as nationwide people getting recognition by he doesn't have the name recognition that Vasilevsky does.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's third right now on yeah. my list. That just because of that. But that's what I'm saying like if, but once you go into the deep analytics then you're like, yeah, oh, you get okay. a little
1: more backup when you're you like, once you go there.
2: Well, he's actually overtaken yeah, Vasilevsky uh, yeah. on of. on like several categories and it's like surprising because I'm like the fact that he's even in that spot like given the start that they had to the season is actually mind-boggling to me. So, I I think it's going to be very interesting. First of all, the fact that Vegas doesn't even have him in the top ten—that's—that's that's yeah, that's wrong. A little no, no one's yeah. no one's looking or paying attention right now. That'll change in a week or two. Like, just give that some time. But that said, I still think Vasilevsky takes it home. But he has made it very interesting. The conversation. Um, and I'm starting to see more national people pick up on yeah, it. Exactly. That's the one thing that I... You'll I've, see a
1: couple votes I'm at like, least.
2: i okay, like, oh, there's now a national people picking up on the fact that he's literally turning this around for the team. So I think the fact that he means more to the Preds than Vasilevsky does, obviously, with this turnaround, I mean, because the Lightning yeah. we're in.
1: Yeah, and, and I like that comment we said a couple episodes ago about what is exactly the percentage of contribution that the goalie has on the team. And I think Nashville is a perfect example to show you just how valuable that position can be. And yeah, it can be mediocre and whatever, you know, all the cups that Detroit won, most of them was with kind of average goalies, whatever. But this run that Predators are on is solely on UC Soros' shoulders, I feel like. And yeah, you could throw a couple other names in there, but but it's him. And the impact he's made for this playoff run is, is just incredible.
2: Okay, so I mean, literally, UC Soros, the past 20 starts, is 14-5-1, one point. Eight three goals against and a 0.945 save percentage.
1: Yeah, that's that's insane. He is is the hottest goalie right now, definitely. Harder than Vasilevsky.
2: Oh, he's he's like I I think they said no other goalie is like even at like 0.92 or higher. Like he is leaps and bounds ahead of the way. Like it's not even close the last like half of this year. And the funny part is when 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 we started this talk about this we were like, oh, it's good, you know, it's been a good week. <laughs> you Remember, I mean, like, yeah. literally, this, this is like two or three episodes ago, we said, oh, it's been a good week, and then it was like, well, actually, well, okay, it's going a little longer now, and then all of a sudden we're a month later, and now we're almost two full months later, and we're still talking about it, and it's like, when does it stop? Like, I mean, like, seriously, like, I, I mean, this is a streak.
1: Yeah, all like, of a sudden, is- he's got more saves than Vasco since March, you know?
2: Yeah, no, like not even close. Like it, it, the goals against, like safe percentage wise, um, high danger chance, like literally every minute he's been crushing it. So it's like, I don't know where it stops, but like you just don't want. You're just like at this point you don't you don't disturb it. And to Matt's point, we're not seeing Pekka anytime soon because you got a machine and it's rolling, and you don't well, want to interrupt that at all because he's obviously dialed into something.
1: Well, let's you know let's bring this discussion a little bit to the playoff considerations. You look at the record the Preds have had against their likely first-round matchups, and it's abysmal. But how much does UC Soros, being hot, maybe give you a slight edge? Do you think that can possibly overcome the odds now that you're on such a hot streak? Can this continue, or can it do any denting to the likelihood that the Preds will make it past the first round? Well, um, to... Reinforce that point. I think I had said too, like the first
2: half of the season, we were getting crushed by all those top three opponents. In the second half, we did much better. It was like we were 50 50 with actually, we were above uh, with the Lightning. Um, we actually won the last one or two and split that with them. And the same thing too with like Carolina. We haven't per se won, but that game was extremely close the last game. So it's one of those. Oh, we also have two games against Carolina, by the way, to finish the season. That would be hilarious because yeah. we're gonna have two games, and then we might go into a seven-game series with them. So, who would have thought that we're gonna have nine nine straight games against a, an opponent? We could possibly, but at the same time, too, I, I I don't know. Like Carolina is our it's a our Achilles heel. So I'm still like on the fence as far as like leaning towards the Preds for anything. But you have to say that like having the hottest goaltender is definitely gonna help.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, sure. like that's. But you know the record kind of speaks for itself. What are we like one in the last thirteen games against Carolina and Carolina? Yeah, you got UC Sarles, he's pretty hot, but the Preds honestly are playing above their level right now. They they this streak. We're like, well, how long can we maintain this? Well, however long that is, it's maintaining a hot streak because they're playing above a level in which they should be playing at. So even even Nashville's best. Is, yeah, you're still asking a lot from a club to put up against Carolina, not only who they lose to, but Carolina's currently the hottest team in the NHL. They're they're number one in the NHL, above Vegas now. Yeah, They're they're hot. So any, any way you slice it, even if you play them, if you play Panthers, Dallas, whoever, you're not going to get an easy out based on if you get a different opponent in the first round for the Predators.
0: And to your point a little more, so Adam Venga had an article come out the other day talking about the Preds, and basically, asked the question, do the Preds actually stand a chance against their playoff opponents? Because we know it's going to be Carolina, Tampa, or the Panthers. And so far, not counting the two games, Daniel, that the Preds have yet to play against uh, Carolina, the Preds have a record of 5-16-1. Abysmal. I mean, it is absolutely terrible. In those 22 games that the Preds have played against the Hurricanes, Lightning, and the Panthers, those three teams have averaged a combined 3.65 expected goals against the Preds who've only averaged 2.32 goals. And if you look down and you take the Preds against the other teams in our division, they've averaged 2.72 goals against compared to the other opponents' 2.4. So the Preds are obviously just a middle ground team. If you take Saros out of that, I think the question becomes, is this team really a playoff team? No. But
2: also, I I, I mean... That's all the games, though, too. Like, that's why I was saying the last several games have been m- much tighter. Like, if you, t- if you pulled these stats for the last four or five games against these teams, they're really close. Like, they really are. Like, I, I mean, I-, I don't know them off the top of my head. I would have to go back. But once again, he is-, he is aggregating the entire season. And to his point, the entire season, we have completely, like, it's bad. Like, okay, like, we're still not yeah. winning. We're still not winning. And especially against Carolina, I don't know what it is against Carolina. Like we we've won once, one time since 2017. 2017, Carolina was not good then. Okay? And I was actually there for that game. I remember I, that. Win. I kid you not. Like we cannot beat Carolina. It that is our
1: Achilles heel. Well, I mean, even then, honestly, you're not, you're, you shouldn't be expecting Nashville to beat whoever your opponent is in round one. I think considering the start of the year was 2% to make the playoffs, and now it's looking like you're going to clinch and get in the last spot, uh, that's a freaking big win compared we were about to trade home, fire yep. John Hines, yep. and now you got a playoff spot. I don't care if it's a first-round exit. That's at least the right trajectory. You didn't make it last year, and that's a that, step up.
2: And that was my point last podcast. As I said, I argued the point that last season, we technically did not make the playoffs. We were in the play-in tournament. That yeah. was the play-in round against the Coyotes in a five-game series. So, if you really want to, me, you know, look at the fine details, the Preds did not make the playoffs last year, okay? So, therefore, if we make the fourth spot and make the playoffs, that is 100% an upgrade, and I'm taking it. Like, I, I'm like, if I'm a Preds fan, you better be happy. I don't want to see any complaints if this team loses four straight against Carolina yeah. in the... Like, because we can't beat Carolina, okay? Like, like it's I'm not going to be mad, okay? Like, that that's where I'm at. But I don't want to see it on Facebook, and I don't want to see it on Twitter.
1: What, Just, what I will take as a win is UC Soros getting playoff experience. That's what I would take as a win. Get
2: playoff experience and get a little national recognition. Yep. Fantastic. The team gelled. We got lots to look forward to next year. We got even better, younger talent, too. Thomasino coming up. Like, you got great stuff.
1: Yeah, you got Tolvin and got some good NHL uh, yes. ice this year as well. You know, I think you're going to have some tougher decisions next year, but just the fact that you're in the playoffs, I think everybody's happy camper right now.
0: I think one thing I like seeing too was the formation of the herd line. Oh, dude. Yeah. I mean, John Hines has, you know, said in multiple interviews with people that that has basically become this team's identity, that this team has their tone and identity set based on that line. And I'm going to be honest, I knew the line was called the herd line, but I didn't really understand every reference to it. Mm. So some were easy, like Colton Sissons, Colt, Colt. okay, Yak off Yak, okay, but I had no idea that Matthew Olivier was from Biloxi, Mississippi. Biloxi Bull, baby.
1: Is that like the name of the team or something, maybe? No, that was his nickname. Oh, Known okay. as the Biloxi Bull, because he's huge. Oh, okay, so, right. Right. So, it, but, so it's just like a name of a bunch of animals.
2: Well, when Olivier went out, too, we put in Tanner Genot, who's also a massive human being. like, And first of all, I've loved seeing him play. I think that's Matt Nye's probably favorite player the last several games just because he has been wrecking people. There was one guy, we were watching the Stars game, he hit him at the blue line and I'm pretty confident he was all the way at the red line. I mean, he just completely leveled him. Didn't see him.
1: Yeah, and uh, same thing with Gabranson. Gabranson's been putting a a nice physical brand of hockey on the ice that I like to see as well.
0: Yeah, but I didn't also know that uh, Tanner is from Oxbow, Saskatchewan.
2: Oh, my gosh. Oh, oh I I wow. <laughs> That's this, funny. It's just all fifth. All four of them. All four of them were it's meant to play together. It's all connected, Kyle. Yeah. They, just, they were meant to play together, though. I mean, like, seriously, at that point. And
0: One lighthearted thing. So,
2: Daniel, see, so you've got the uh, We're Vibe and Tell. What do you think about that? Dude, let me tell you. The, and it's funny, because I, I think this has happened in between our, our episodes. Has it not? Like,
1: maybe the last time we recorded? I, think, I don't think we've mentioned it yet.
2: So... Every once in a while, you know, something gets thrown out there or something happens and it just becomes viral and then usually like a team rallies around like something. You, you've seen it before like a statement happens or like a player gets injured and there's yeah. like they rally behind something and in the press game conference with Robbie Stanley, who we love, we've had him on the podcast before, um, basically only Ryan Johansson who has this type of person out because like most hockey players, like 90% of hockey players are just like yeah, we shoot the puck at the net. That's it. Get it. it. Yeah. But like, but Ryan Johansson is like the prankster. He's the funny guy. He always has like the very lighthearted press conferences. And when asked by Robbie, you know, like what? Well, what's the vibe like in the locker room since this change? And he was like, oh, we're vibing, Robbie. And like, since then, that has been like their aunt, like, just keep vibing. And like, they have been like, I, I, I don't know how else to explain it.
1: But I, got I mean, honestly, towel. you know, they put it on the towel. It was just a flippant, you know, comment said in passing. It's amazing how something small like that can kind of become a mantra. We've heard it in years past about uh, who was it a couple years ago that had the little hat they would pass around the locker room after the win. They would pass the, the fedora hat to the ex-players as part of the lineage. And every team almost has like a... It, something that they hold a mantra that they hold on to. And it kind of unites them together and gives them like a strive, something to go for. And, and honestly they printed that on the towels we're vibing. That is something that predators can look to, to try to, to continue to grow what kind of hockey they're putting on the ice.
2: Well, uh, you think back to the 2017 Stanley cup final run, uh, we got Mike Fisher back and then he got injured on top of it. So not only did we get him out of retirement, <laughs> to come back and play, which already juiced the team up. Then he got injured, which who didn't get injured in that cup run? I mean, like, heck, as Matt always says, Colton Sissons was taking the draws <laughs> against Crosby, like, front, first line, center, you know? I mean, like, it, it was one of those that it's funny how certain moments like that kind of, like, galvanize a team together, yeah. and they really seem to, like, all of a sudden to have gelled. Like, and the team is just cohesive right now. They're They're loving it. Even even when they do lose, because they have law. I mean, like they're fourteen, you know, fourteen and five and one in the last twenty-one games. So they've lost several games, but they've rebounded quicker. Like mentally, I feel like they're able to just shut it down a little quicker and then get on to the next game, where you know, that was killing us earlier in the season.
1: Uh, another recent example is when Vegas draft happened. And their team was kind of considered the misfits team. They kind of almost bonded over that. They was kind of maybe embarrassed, but they bonded over it and it kind of became their mantra. And you saw the success they had. They went to the cup finals. So I'm very excited that the Preds have something to rally together in behind. So it's all good times ahead.
2: Well, I mean, here's another thing that we also haven't thought about. I I, I mean, and this goes to your point, because you were kind of saying like how big goaltending is. So like, let's say... Soros, obviously, he's the hottest goaltender in the league. We're going to a first-round matchup against the Hurricanes. That does give us a little bit of an edge, kind of maybe puts things more back in, like, you know, competitive range. You know, like, I mean, before we were getting destroyed by the Hurricanes. What happens now, though, if we start getting all of our players back healthy? Because that's been a big deal, and then I, I, like, I would be amiss like if we did not point that out, because... We still have players injured, and they're still like on rotate. Like Colton Sissons is out tonight. Arvidsson's back out again after another hit. Like it's one of those. Things. We just got like Duchene back. We just got Forsberg just came back after 17 games being away. Like that's the thing. Like they've been playing that good without some of our key staples. So that said, if they come in and they're able to continue to play that brand of hockey that we want, and they're able to contribute too on top. How competitive do you think that first round matchup is? I, I think it's way more competitive than what we're giving it. Like, because at first I was just like, no, we're getting in and then we're getting crushed. Now I'm kind of like, okay, I think it's going to be fun to watch.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, if that makes sense. Once you get into playoffs, all bets are off almost. All these stats you're going through all year, playoffs are a different beast all to themselves. You know, how many times have we seen underdogs? How many times in recent years were the LA Kings an eight seed and come in and go to the cup finals three or four years in yeah. a row? Like, once you're in, man, all bets are off. So that begs the question? No, yeah, but that's why, I'm asking, uh, that's why I'm
2: asking us. What do you think? So what I think? If, 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 they, get, if they start to get there, let's say Arson comes back, you have um, Fabro comes back. So all of our, like, all the defensemen are finally back because we've been, I mean, like, it was nuts there for a bit. We had, like, no one on defense because it was like, Ellis was out, Riosi was out at one point, Ekholm was out at one point, and then Fabro was out. So our top four defensemen were out at some point. So now we almost have all four of them back. So, like,
1: that's no, what I'm asking. You're I not, think- not going to lack my answer, but I think the Preds are not going to play as good a hockey as they're playing right now. I think they play better hurt with, with their star talent sitting on the bench. And for whatever reason, you know, we saw it the last couple of years, you put all these all these money players on the ice and they underperform, you cannot get better than value players overperforming. The
2: the value players are sitting though. That's what that's my point. Like Sissons is out. Arvidson is out right okay. now. Like that that's my point. Because Duchesne and Yossi and everybody has been back in. The the only exception okay, that right. the only, only that. exception that has been Forsberg. And I don't think anyone would argue the fact that Forsberg needs to be back in the lineup. I mean, yeah. let's just be honest. Like he literally was the offense for the first half of the season.
1: And, and another problem you get once you start getting healthy players back in the lineup, you start realigning the, uh, the lines, and then you start messing with the chemistry that's been gelling exactly. again. And, and that's so really it, tough. It's
2: going to be very interesting.
1: I'm just saying, like, I,
2: I, I think Arvidsson for sure, once he comes back, he gets slotted back in. And then Fabro, definitely for defense, because, like, our def- you know, we're not going to have the two screw up. You, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, on, on the bottom pair, like, sure. you're going to have your top four defensemen back. And that's obviously a huge plus to begin with. So that said, I was just saying, how competitive do you think it would be with them back in? I think it's just going to make them more competitive, the games. I still think I'm giving the edge to Carolina, obviously. Like, and I'm talking like the Preds are in the playoffs. Like They still got work to do to get to that point. But that said, like, I feel like the Preds are going to be a little bit more competitive once we get everybody back in. No
0: matter who they face. So if the Preds do beat the Hurricanes, if that is our first-round opponent... Do we then have a situation where they could look like the
1: uh, St. Louis Blues? Oh yeah, because I've seen no, some. That's... I've
0: seen some people already say that if we can get if we can get in the playoffs, we could possibly have a blue situation. Well,
1: now this will be that's a very interesting point. Now that's the second time this year that something like that discussion has been brought up. I brought up. A couple of years ago when we barely scraped in the playoffs and you guys went to 2017, the cup finals twenty seventeen. And now look at what the blues to your point Bennington they did, they were gets, garbage. Bennington got super hot. They it's, were like last in the league ish and then they went and won a cup. And the Predators have a almost scary similarity <laughs> to both of those conditions in twenty seventeen and compared to what the Blues did, I think it was two years ago now. That is a very good
2: And the hot goaltender. Because Bennington, uh, because yeah. so remember, because that's the key in this, is Bennington won them that cup. I mean, as garbage as he has been since then, he won them that cup that year because he was that hot. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: so, like, that's the fun part. And you were saying, all bets are off, baby. And, yeah. like, the fact that the Pre- the Preds were at 2%, Matt, two months ago, and it's we're, like, like, that's mind-boggling. Like, first of all, if you would have bet on the Preds, I think, I-, I need to go look this up, but at one point, the Preds were like, 21,000 something plus odds yeah. for, for like to win the Stanley Cup. So, like, if you would have put money back then on it, I mean, that would have been nuts. Like, I, I mean, like, that would have been one of those one in a million, like, you bet $100 and you get, like, you know, it, 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 it's ridiculous kind of thing. That the fact that they went from 2% to almost 90% just to get in the playoffs. In two months,
1: yeah, it it almost would be like a miracle run. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, I don't know. I dare
2: say King esque. I dare say Blues esque. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. I,
1: I'm. It, it I'm sounds not. good, you know. It's a great, you know. I could honestly put a little money in Vegas <laughs> on those odds. That you know, it seems very plausible considering recent memories of situations like that happening, but. At the same time, I do sound like a little bit of a homer if I expect Nashville to beat the number one NHL team I'm in not the first expect, round. But
2: I'm not expecting it. Like yeah. I, I literally, have co- I'm on record. Okay, like Matt, I'm on record. Just I don't want to hear complaints. That's my sure, thing on,
1: sure. on social media.
0: Like Matt, I think you can be a homer since Detroit's not making it.
1: <laughs> yes, unfortunately, hey, no, I hear Detroit's been. Hold on. We're hold not, on. not as bad this year. We've no. made some steps up. They're not even in the bottom three or four of the league anymore.
2: No, they're, they're not. I pointed this out to Matt because he didn't even
1: realize it. Well, like,
2: I, re- I just uh,
1: There were a couple of notches even higher than I had they're, tw-
2: they're 24th in the league right now.
1: Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. And their boy, I think Dylan Larkin's hurt for the rest of the year. Uh, but, uh, yeah. I, uh, I'm, all the rest of the three games, but whatever.
2: Yeah, it, it's one of those, like, obviously I'm... Uh, I'm still thinking we're taking the L in the first round. That's just me because I'm more, I'm I'm always more like the pessimistic side. I'm like, I'm I'm never like, I think there's been one year that I picked the Preds to go all the way to the Stanley Cup and that was 2017. And by God, I had like one of the top, I was like top three until the Penguins won um, that bracket challenge. Like seriously, I have the screenshots. You guys remember that. But outside of that year, I'm usually pretty pessimistic. I mean, I picked the Lightning last year, so. So I think what we're all saying at the end of the day when we fill our brackets out, we're all consigning the Preds to a first-round exit. I don't know. It's going to be fun. I, I mean, like, I, what I'm going to have to do, too, and here's the deal this year, too, with the way they have everything seeded, is you're, the first two rounds you're still playing against all, like, your division. And then the very interesting round... Is going to be the conference finals of each one because it's against two teams that you've never played. Like these yeah. two teams, so the conference finals this year are going to be totally up in the air, in my opinion. Like, first of all, Vegas and the uh, the Avs are two of the best teams in the league, and they are more than likely going to be a second round matchup. Like, pencil me in for that one already. Remember last year when we were trying to figure this out because it didn't quite work out. I want the Knights and the Avalanche in the second round matchup. I'll be glued to the t v for that
1: one It definitely like, is an unprecedented year as far as the way the divisions are aligned and the way things are going. I could throw some money down in vegas uh It'd be a good time to get me to get back on the draftkings. I know I remember a couple years ago when I started betting on the playoffs, and I, my first bet I made I forget exactly what it was, but I made five hundred dollars the very first time betting some kind of hawk yards, and uh, I know a lot of people are into it, so might be kind of fun to get into this It'll year. it will be fun know. this year because there's, there's going to be a lot. Like I said, the first two rounds are going to probably be more concise because
2: you have a lot. We have a lot of data to look at from yeah. the regular season, but then that, those conference final ones. I mean, like you could just throw you know the pencil at the at the dartboard and just kind of go from there.
0: So, Matt, as we get ready to close the episode down, you got any stats for us outside of the Ron Miller one I took from you earlier?
1: Yeah, I got a couple I'll mention here in passing. I'd like to give a shout-out to uh, Zidane Chara. He is the fifth D-man to collect 1,600 games, and uh, he's one of my all-time favorites of all time. So, And uh, same thing, you got a couple big ones here, actually. Uh, Jumbo Joe Thornton is now the seventh player in history to have yes. 1,100 assists. He's amazing. Marc-Andre Fleury has passed the Roberto Luongo for third all-time in wins. And uh, one more stat off the route there, you probably hadn't seen this one. But the other day, uh, about a week ago, Pittsburgh was playing the New Jersey Devils, and the Devils put up six goals on them in a the third period. The third period, and Pittsburgh still won. That is the first time in history a team has put up six goals in a third period, and the other team still won.
2: Yeah, it's because they were already losing. Like, they were seven already to zero. It was destroyed. like I like what a crazy game. Yeah. Like, I mean, like
1: that's come just on. that, that's a wild ride right there for sure. So I wanted Did you to end on that. fans
2: too. like, I would have been livid. Cause I would have been like, first of all, you still won the game, but you made it
1: yeah. way more difficult <laughs> on me. Like <laughs> my
2: heart cannot take this. They like, wanted to make a game out of it. We still got the two points, but guess what? I'm still upset at you. I mean, look I mean, at like, the devil's fans. They see that they're going to get the win. And just watch it slowly disappear before their eyes. No, no, they were on the opposite end. They're just like lucky to be there. The Devils were going from zero to hundred. I mean, like the next thing you know, you've you've scored a touchdown. You're just needing an extra point. Like, I mean, seriously, that's crazy. Just just hold on, hold on uh, to your seat for that kind of action. I, man, would not have w- liked to have been a fan of the Penguins, though. I'll, I'll put it like that. And Daniel, what's the score of the game so far? All right, so right now the Preds are actually up one to zero. Forsberg just scored second game back in the lineup and he tallies a goal. So uh, I think to our point we were discussing whether or not some players would you know, kind of mess up the lines. Well, Forsberg was not gonna do that because obviously he is top tier. Uh, keynote key note though, the Panthers has just scored again. It is now four to two against Dallas, fourteen minutes left in the second period. Keep your eyes on that one. That is huge. Like, regardless of what the Preds do the, the remainder of the year, you need to watch every single scoreboard game for Dallas, because if they lose or lose an OT, those are all points. They're that equally go to the important. They go to the magic number, like I said before. So if they lose outright, that's two points to the Preds, seven. If they lose an OT, that's one point to the, the Preds. Just think about it like that. So, uh, I mean that, that could be huge. If the Panthers polish them off tonight, that already puts us down to five points. And then if we win, we're down to three. So uh huge swing, another huge swing tonight. So, uh, Oh, also too, uh, uh, the Hurricanes are destroying the Blackhawks four to zero. Um, so, R.I.P. Blackhawks had a good run, yeah, but I think they're only on that's a five
1: games. Good after yeah, today, I,
2: I think that's it because you know, like they started coming back a little bit, making it a little bit interesting. But the Preds beat them in the two games with them, so that kind of like knocked their chances down. And uh, I think this is going to do the do it in for them, especially with the Preds winning currently. Dallas are losing, and then on top of it, uh, you're just getting crushed at this point so the remaining games um, we have another game against Columbus on the 5th and then we have two against the Hurricanes just for funsies why not like I I mean by that point we might even know if they're going to be our first round matchup so um, I mean that might be kind of fun like will the teams like rest people at that point like I mean like that's kind of where I'm at is like if both teams actually clinch like say like they clinch the division And then we clinch the fourth spot. I mean like they're like warm up games, honestly. So we'll we'll see.
0: Now what will probably happen is both teams will clinch. Hurricane's gonna put out their B league team. We're gonna put our main guys out and we're still gonna lose. No, no.
2: I, I would hope we wouldn't do that. I would hope we could rest some of our players to get some of them healthy considering the injuries. I mean, like there's some players that they need a break. I wouldn't mind giving Saros at least one game off, you know, like before the before uh, You the can't playoff. do that. You give him a break, you break the streak. Uh, you can't jinx it, man. I think, I think Peck did, no, Peck actually did start because it was a back-to-back game series, and he started the, the second game. So, they have broken the streak once, Kyle, but it was on a back-to-back game, so we'll, we'll see.
0: And guys, that is the show for today. Hope you enjoyed it. You can find more episodes at Music City Gold or on Penalty Box Radio, and until next time, we will see you on the ice. You've been listening to Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. We'd love to interact with you on Twitter. The show can be found at Music City Gold. You can find Kyle at Kyle Hancock, Daniel at Steve Dan Drum, and Matt at Matt
1: Thirty One.
0: Past episodes of the show can be found by subscribing to Music City Gold or Penalty Box Radio on iTunes or at PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the ice.